Hi, I'm Brenda Burns, and this is the Vienna Assembly of God Sermons Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to share this time with you. Learn more about the ministries of Vienna Assembly of God at ViennaAG.com. Please leave your comments and reviews on the platform where you're listening. And now for today's message. So much, Pastor Brenda, for inviting me and giving me this opportunity to share this new adventure that the Lord has for me. And um, before I even get into that, I want to ask you if you happen to believe that God has a divine destiny for your life, just raise your hand if you believe that. Awesome, awesome. If you don't believe it or if you're not too sure, hopefully today's message and, and the story of how God has proven himself faithful, excuse me, and how he, um, he has shown me that he has a divine plan, not just for me and not just for my husband, not just for Pastor Brenda and, and for, I'm not sure, Pastor Craig, is that what you go by? <laughs> but he has a divine plan for every single human being. If you're online, if you think that you are not part of God's divine plan, think again. Today, you hopefully hear all about his plan for you and how you can be part of it. And I just want to thank Pastor Brenda for inviting me again. And I want to just tell you a little bit about who I am. As she mentioned, I'm, I was the lead pastor of Solid Rock Assembly in Point of Rocks, Maryland. And as of October 1st, I was in transition. <laughs> I'm, I'm a traveling teacher is what I go by, uh, missionary, but not um, someone who's going overseas or going to a specific assignment for a long-term um, appointment. I'll be going in and out of Africa, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that and how that all came about. But first, I want to introduce my husband. I don't want to forget to introduce him. He um, not only was my chauffeur to get me here safely today, but he is a major supporter of the call that God has put on my heart. Um, It's very important that we have heroes and supporters. And as Pastor Brenda shared, she is one of my prayer partners that we call each other weekly to support and encourage each other. As, as female lead pastors, although there are more and more now, we are still an oddity in the Assemblies of God for overall when looking at the grand scheme of things. So it's important that we have encouragers and that we have moral support and spiritual support. And my husband has been absolutely the backbone of me going forward in this ministry. And even your former pastor, Craig, has he's, he told me, you're still one of my heroes, but he's been my hero. <laughs> he has been an encourager. Um, back when I worked in the district office as an assistant, um, administrative assistant, he would come in and he just always encouraged me to be obedient to the Lord, to not worry about what's going on, how often it's been done or not been done, just be obedient to the Lord. And um, I was receiving that, and I thank you today for that encouragement. So I want to tell you a little bit about Heart to Hands International. If you want to start with the first slide, I have two logos on this first slide. The first one is Heart to Hands International. That is the nonprofit ministry that I started while I was pastoring Solid Rock Assembly. There was a Cameroonian family who attended the church there, and they still attend there, and um, they told me about a story of an inadequate access and affordability of health care in one of the villages that the brother of this couple um, was a pharmacist. And, the f- and this brother saw the need and he asked for some support and some help to, to put together 
a healthcare center that would be accessible to this remote village, but also affordable to the people who needed the care. Uh, without this healthcare center, they had to travel a very long distance to receive any kind of medical treatment. So we prayed about it and we talked about it and sure enough, the Lord put our hearts together and we designed Heart to Hands International to be a vehicle, a nonprofit organization that is faith-based that helps to empower those who are marginalized, whether it's in poverty, whether it's um, gender-related, academically, economically. We, we strive to partner with other organizations who are also trying to empower people to be all that they can be. If you go to that second slide, you can see there is a just a screenshot of the um, website that I'm still in the process of building, putting together. Pastor Brenda has helped me with some feedback on it, and she's been um, very instrumental in making some changes and making it um, user-friendly. So there's a QR code. If you can scan it, I'm not sure if you can see it on your screen at home, but that QR code will take you to the live website. We put information there about our current projects and, and future projects so that our prayer partners, which I hope that you will all be, can participate in the ministry, whether it's through prayer or financial giving or all of the above. <laughs> as I said, this year is a transition. As of October 1st, I've been in this mode of trying to get to Africa. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, but I've been trying to get there. And there has been a delay every time I've had an invitation from a um, missionary that is on site at one of the schools where I hope to go and teach. Um, there's been some kind of delay, but it's always turned out to be a good thing. Um, so there is a picture I would like for you to see of a church in Kenya. If you go to the next slide, yes. There, that church building was started in 2017 and the pastor of that congregation We'll be going to see him later this year in October. He has built this church, and um, they've got it so that they can now occupy the building. And we have been in touch with each other um, through a chat um, module. And um, he told me that they were believing for a miracle. They were believing the Lord to provide for them some doors, some exterior doors. So as we talked, I just felt in my heart, wow, that's... That's such a small thing that we take for granted here in the United States. They need them not only for um, keeping the bugs out, <laughs> keeping the heat out, helping it to stay cool by cooling by keeping the sun out, but also for protection, you know, to keep people that are maybe intending on harm. So as he shared that with me, we, we as Heart to Hands International were able to bless them. And the very next day, he sent me a little video, if you can go to that video, a clip of... Um, how he took that immediately. He didn't waste any time. They started building those steel doors immediately. Now this is for the second floor, which houses offices and classrooms. So they have the church on the first floor, and now they'll have a safe place. Um, they're praying for windows to be provided in the future once they have the doors in place. It's just an awesome privilege to be a part of God's work around the world. So we'll be going there in October with one of our Potomac, Potomac Network, that's who we are, <laughs> one of our Potomac Network pastors who has been involved with Pastor Joseph for many years. But earlier this year, actually coming soon in August, I will be heading to Cameroon with another of our Potomac Network uh, pastors who has a ministry called Strategies to Empower People. He goes by STEP. 
easy way to remember it. It's in Cameroon, in Douala, and he helps um, the poor of the area. He specifically worked with orphans for a while, but this year he was invited by the president of Cameroon to bring a team for their International Youth Empowerment Week. And we will be presenting workshops and preaching at churches and um, just giving them hope that there is a future, there is hope for their lives. And we'll be vision casting for a new career center, a life empowerment facility that uh, will be built upon some land that has been donated already. So we'll be fundraising while we're there in the country. And that's um, some exciting ways that you can partner with these Christians around the world. I am also praying about next year, the pastor in Kenya has an invited me to bring a team of women, a limited number, to conduct a women's conference in early December. I know for some, some of us Americans, that's kind of a um, non-travel season. <laughs> it's the holidays. But that's when they have their women's conference, and I'm excited about that possibility. If you are interested in joining me, please let me know, and we will um, keep you informed. Now, how does that Africa's Hope icon that was on that first slide have anything to do with Heart to Hands International? Well, as I shared, I hope to be teaching in some of our Assembly of God ministry training schools in Africa. And that is what Africa's Hope is all about. We do have a short little video clip to give you an overview of that ministry. This is Africa a continent with a history of economic hardship, societal volatility, and spiritual darkness. Despite these challenges, Christianity has been writing a new narrative of hope over the last three decades. In 1988, church leaders from across Africa gathered to cast a vision of growth from 2 million to 15 million adherents. But for this to be possible, the number of trained ministers would have to increase exponentially to support that commitment, Africa's Hope was launched as a training resource ministry. To train leaders, there was an urgent need to build new Bible schools and expand existing campuses. These needed to be continually resourced with Bibles, curriculum, and technology. We produce training material written by authors who know the African context. Those materials are then prepared by our team of editors and typesetters to ensure the highest quality. Through this process, we have created our certificate and diploma level curriculum called the Discovery Series and discipleship resources such as Living the Truth and Roots of Faith. Students love these texts, but learning is a challenge when English is not their first language. We are committed to translating them into 16 heart languages, the languages in which these students dream, pray, and listen to God. With a growing number of schools utilizing these texts, it's a challenge to get them into students' hands, considering the vast size and complexity of Africa. We ship our resources using suitcases, crates, and large shipping containers. We also print on the continent using print-on-demand systems to increase accessibility among schools in remote areas. Some of our resources are also made available as eBooks on tablets and as audiobooks on audio disciple devices. In many areas, students cannot afford school tuition fees, so we provide scholarships to invest in those who feel called to gospel ministry. Students and graduates who don't have their own Bible are supplied study Bibles in their heart language. 
Our educational advancement team connects with national and Bible school leadership to enhance academic capacity, resource educational tools, and sponsor conferences to train and equip local leaders. All of these areas of ministry sum up what we do. Why we do it is because spirit-empowered, biblically trained leaders are the hope of Africa. Amen. Spirit-empowered, biblically trained leaders are the hope of the whole world. Amen. Not just Africa, but specifically, my heart has a passion for the country of Africa and empowering not only the women, but anyone who is called to serve the Lord. Now, the reason that I felt like Heart to Hands International needed to partner with Africa's Hope is because specifically, they have a um, focus on empowering women called to serve the Lord in their country. And um, we're going to skip that little video. There's a story. If you want to go to africashope.org, there are other videos, and there's a story of one woman's testimony about how she didn't want to be a pastor, and yet God called her to that position, and she was obedient, and she went to the West African Advanced School of Theology, and she said, I didn't regret it. I went there with my husband, and they are now uh, pastoring a church in Ghana. So um, and I, pl I plan to go there and help to equip those who are called to serve the Lord, whether it's in a vocational ministry or in their home. We are all called to serve the Lord. You know, God's mission has not changed from the beginning of time. God has a mission. And before we get into God's mission, I want us to just pray over his word because he gave me a very specific word for today. And it was a word that he spoke to my heart when I was doubting this call, this transition in, in season in uh, serving him in a different capacity, which I have a habit of always doubting when the Lord speaks to me about um, serving him in a capacity that I just can't see myself doing. But he knows the plans he has for me, and he has them for a hope and a future not to cause harm. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, that it is faithful and it is true. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit, Jesus, that you have sent to us to enliven that word in our hearts. Lord, we ask that you get your word into not only our hearts, but Lord, give our minds the capacity to understand what you're saying to us and give us a, a mind and a heart that is willing to do as you say to do, Lord Jesus, to go where you say to go. And Father God, to simply be servants of your kingdom, worshiping you above all and foremost. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So our mission is stated very clearly in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 16, verse 15. It says that Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to people. What's the good news? The good news is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. He came to earth so that every single human being could have a restored relationship with the Creator. There's no doubt for that. The Gospel of John was written to testify to Jesus's deity. And then he went on to say, just before he ascended back into heaven in Matthew 28, 19, he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them to name of the, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So now the challenge is, well, how do we do that today in 2022? How do we do that as a middle-class 
American or a poor American or a poor African or a wealthy African? How do we do that mission today, no matter what our status, no matter where we are? God knew where you would be born, when you would be born, who your parents would be, and he still had a plan and a purpose for you while you were being formed in your mother's womb. So you have to remember that. This is God's mission. How do we become part of it? How do we see that divine destiny that he has for us? Well, as I was questioning this, this transition in my life, I've been going through the Gospel of John, and I had gone through, I think, to chapter 6, and I was still going through and looking at all of these amazing miracles that Jesus did that John tells us about, because his point, the whole purpose of writing that gospel was so that you would believe that he is the Messiah, and in, in believing, you would have eternal life. So this very first miracle that he records for us is found in, in chapter 2. I'm just going to read the first uh, few verses, verses 5 through 8, where um, this miracle takes place. But his mother told the servants, this is Jesus' mother, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told his servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. This is the very first recorded miracle that Jesus publicly performed. And it shows that he is God, it's Jesus' deity, that he has authority over the elements. He has authority over water. But listen to even more as we unpack this just short scripture. As a result of the servants following his instructions, Look at verse 9 and what happens. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This very first miracle that Jesus performed that is recorded for us in the Gospel of John is not necessarily the first one he did, but it is the first public miracle that is recorded. The first public miracle shows the generosity of the kingdom of God. When his mother pointed out that the wedding host had run out of wine, Jesus basically said, that's, that's not my problem. He wasn't being rude. He wasn't being indignant. It just wasn't part of his ministry. He was here to, be, to fulfill being the Messiah, to pay the price for you and me, the sacrifice that was needed because we have been separated from our creator because of sin. His generosity revealed he provided the wine and, and more than the abundance of what they needed. He met their need. And the faith of his own disciples was increased. The servants weren't necessarily his disciples. We don't know who they were. You know, when you have a, a wedding or an event and you have it catered, you have servants, you don't really know them. We don't know if these were family members or who they were. But they obeyed him. They listened and they did what he said. So I looked at what Jesus said to those servants because I thought that must be really important for us Christians, if we are his followers, to know what he said. And he said to fill the jars, to draw the water out, and then to take it. 
I think that's significant for us in finding our part in God's divine mission. In God's mission for the world, we need to fill, we need to draw, and we need to take. Specifically what that looks like. He told the servants to fill the jars with water. Now the servants had a choice. They didn't have to listen to him, did they? Does it make sense to you that he would say, fill these water jars with water? These water jars were big 20 to 30 gallon jugs sitting off to the side because they would be used for cleaning water, to wash hands, to wash face, to prepare oneself to be ceremonial clean to eat the meal. These weren't your little serving jugs, little pitchers that you would take around to the table and, and pour someone a glass of water. These were jugs of water that were huge. So the servants had a choice. Are we going to listen to him and go fill these jars with ordinary water, ordinary jugs, having to trek out to the well, wherever that was, and bring it in to fill the jars? It didn't make sense. And yet, they chose to listen to this young rabbi. They chose to do what Jesus said. Maybe the fact that his mother said, do whatever he tells you, kind of piqued their curiosity. I don't know. But he told them to fill the jar, specifically fill it to the top, as much capacity as it can hold. Fill these ordinary jars with ordinary water. So the first thing that that sentence taught me and what the word says is I need to choose. I need to choose. Am I going to listen? And secondly, am I going to do what he says? Am I going to listen and will I do? Jesus said that the best way that we can demonstrate that we believe he is deity, that he is God, and that we believe in him and accept him as our own God, is to acknowledge that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and then to live that as a lifestyle, not just a proclamation or a statement, but to live it as a lifestyle. We're to be filled with his spirit, washed in his blood, Look at Jesus and what he told a religious leader just a little while later in the Gospel of John in chapter 3, verse 5. He's talking to a religious leader who's asking him about God's kingdom. He said, I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. We need to be filled with his spirit in order to enter into the kingdom of God. In order to awaken that divine destiny that he prepared for us before we were born, we need to receive him into our heart. And one of the first things that Jesus did after his resurrection, when he came back and he appeared to his disciples and he was showing people that he was alive, he didn't stay dead, was that he met his disciples and he breathed on them. Look at Gospel of John chapter 20 verses 21 and 22. He said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. We are to be filled. Our part of God's divine destiny is that we have to seek being filled by him. We ordinary human clay need to be filled with the water of his word and with his spirit. That's the first step of our divine destiny, doing whatever Jesus says. Because when Jesus does a miracle, he uses the ordinary for the extraordinary. I was so excited to hear the miracle of this healing of cancer. We have experienced a miracle of a healing of cancer in our family. We have a family member that was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer, and she doesn't know the Lord. And we were praying and praying, and the Lord 
has been working in her physical body, and her last PET scan revealed that not only did the, the spots on her liver completely disappear, but the one on her pancreas has dramatically decreased. God is working in her physical body, showing his love for her. And I'm praying that her eyes are open to see that this God who healed her wants a relationship with her, a personal, intimate relationship with her. Because God uses the ordinary things of healing to do miraculous healing. The ordinary water, the ordinary jars of which you and I are just vessels, we're just jars of clay. Our part in God's forever kingdom begins with believing in him, but that's just the beginning. When Jesus, the living water, gets inside of you, you become a new person. You are a new creation, and you are capable of carrying his miraculous power and authority with your hands and your feet. That's why Heart to Hands International exists, to help empower people to take that passion in their heart that God puts in their heart and empower their hands to become hands of action. So after he told them to fill the jugs, he told them to draw out the water. Now, as far as these servants were concerned, this was still water in a big jug, and all they were doing was drawing it out and putting it in the serving pitchers to take to the master of ceremonies because that's what Jesus told them to do. Sometimes you get this inspiration from the Holy Spirit and it doesn't make sense, but it's what Jesus told me to do and you just do it and a miracle results. It's not unlike the miracle that takes place in a few um, chapters after uh, John chapter 2 and chapter 4 where Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. I encourage you to read that story because again, this is a first in the Gospel of John, in the life of Jesus' ministry. He meets this woman. He's going to this well because he himself is thirsty, and he tells her to draw out some water for him to drink. But in the process, he then tells her, if you knew who was talking to you, if you knew who was asking, you would ask me for the living water. Jesus, the living water, breathes eternal life in us when we drink of his water by believing in him and accepting him as our personal God. And this is the first time that we hear him make a public declaration. He tells her in chapter 4, verse 26, I am the Messiah. There's a mic drop right there. No doubt, no room for questioning who is this, ma this man. Is he a rabbi? Is he a good teacher? Is he a prophet? No, he said right there. And to a Samaritan woman of all people, I am the Messiah. And she goes back and tells her husband and the whole village, and the whole village comes to recognize Jesus for the God in the flesh that he is, the Messiah who had been promised. You see, it's not enough for us to receive that filling of the water of the word and the washing of his blood. It's not enough for us to receive that encounter with Jesus where we are so blessed, we're healed, we're delivered from bondage, whatever it happens to be. We need to draw out from ourselves. We need to allow him to draw out those good deeds that he's pre prepared for us while we were being born. We need to allow him to draw out of us his spirit and his gifts that he planted in us for his kingdom purpose. Ephesians 2 tells us in verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. That's step one, just believe. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus 
so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Believing that Jesus is God is just the first step. Even Satan believes that he is God because he knows he is God. He was there in eternity with him when he got kicked out for his rebellion. It's not enough to just know and to just believe that he is God. Do we accept him as our personal savior? Do we accept him as our God? There are lots of little G gods in the world today. There's only one true God who paid the price so that we could all be reconciled with him in his kingdom in eternity. Empowering our heart's passion to become hands of action. That's what God wants to do in our lives. I feel so um, strong and so urgent in my heart. The message from the Lord today is he wants us to be empowered by his spirit to be about his business. Whether it's just spending time in worship, getting to know him more, and then taking his presence with us when we go out into the darkness of the world, or if it's actually going across the ocean and visiting a country that is not of our own origin. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars were filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. Take it. Think about that. He said, take it to the master of ceremonies. Don't take it to the tables yourselves. Take it to the one who can validate this miracle. Do you understand what he's doing? Take it to the one who has authority, who has influence, the master of ceremonies. He didn't say, just go take and serve. Take it to the one who can speak over and above what the servants could speak. If you have experienced an encounter with Jesus, if you know him, and you have a relationship with him, and you read his word, and you know that he loves your brother and sister more than you ever could, you know that he loves your neighbor, and he wants you to love them too, you have a responsibility to take your story to those neighbors, to those family members. You have a responsibility to allow him to draw out of you that story that he gave you in his relationship with you, because we walk in his authority when we are filled with his, his word, when we are filled with his spirit, we are washed by his blood. His authority is in us. He didn't tell us to go on our own strength. He didn't tell us to be witnesses into all the world in our own power. No, it was in his authority and in his spirit. So take your word, take your story to your neighbors. The first sign of generosity in that first miracle. These servants, these utensils, even the water itself, just ordinary things of this world. And Jesus did extraordinary miracle using these ordinary things, ordinary people. It reminds me that he has an open invitation to each one of us today, us ordinary human beings. I was born on the poor side of Baltimore, and God took me and used me to speak to my family. And today, my mom and my dad, who's passed away now, He's in eternity in heaven. They didn't know the Lord. I was the first generation of Christian in my family. And because of his love for me and his love for my family, they have come to know him now, and they are walking with him. Those are still on earth, walking with him. He has a plan and a purpose for each one of us and an open invitation for every human being. Jesus is coming. We can say that we're going to be filled with him 
get a new heart, new life values, new perspective on life. Allow him to draw out of us those gifts, those good deeds that he's prepared for us and take them, whether it's across the ocean or across the street or even across the room with our family members. I want to remind you today that Jesus is coming back. The urgency is because he is coming back. This same writer of the Gospel of John wrote the revelation of Jesus. In Revelation 22, verse 12, we see Jesus saying, Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And verse 20 says, He who is faithful witness to all these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. Jesus is inviting us today. This wasn't written for thousands of years ago and for that generation. This generation needs to hear that good news. It's not scary that Jesus is coming back and that he will reward people according to their deeds if you are walking with him. If you are walking with him and you accept him for who he is. As we close today, I want to encourage you. If you know Jesus, if you have already accepted him as the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father except through him, thank the Lord. Heaven celebrated and danced and had a big party the day you accepted him. But if you haven't made that decision yet, just like those servants who had a choice, were they going to listen to this young rabbi and do something that logically didn't really seem to meet the need? Perhaps you're hurting today. You've been seeking peace in your life and you don't quite have it. I encourage you, think about Jesus. He came to give you peace. He came to restore you to a right relationship with your creator who is the only one who can give you peace. And he's coming one day to make all things right. Be filled with the Holy Spirit as you pray in Jesus' name. It's when you make that first prayer of stating, I believe in Jesus, I admit I am separated from my creator because I'm a sinner. Scriptures tell us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. There's no one that's excluded. But Jesus made a way that we can be restored to a right relationship. He paid the sacrifice of a holy, perfect life on the cross. He went to the cross, willingly laid down his life. After being brutally crucified, executed, he died, was buried, and three days later, he came back to life. That's when he told the disciples to go into all the world and make disciples and baptize them in his name. Be filled with his spirit as you pray in his name. It's an easy decision, but it's not necessarily an easy life. Jesus said we would have trials in this life. Don't make this decision lightly. If you're on the fence, consider the fact that following Jesus brings you eternal security. It brings you peace in your heart and in your home. You'll have peace in your life, but it may not look like you think. I used to say my mom looked at life through rose-colored glasses because she tried to deny any time there was any trouble. (laughs) It won't be a rose-colored glasses kind of life when you follow Jesus, but he will be with you, and he will give you his spirit and his strength. And he will help you to endure. 
when the hard times come because he's endured far worse than we ever will. Draw on the resources that God provides. He provides his spirit. He provided you with gifts. He provides you with um, all kinds of things. Here in the United States, we're so blessed. You know, we have our jobs, we have our houses, we have our cars, we have our families, we have so much. But ultimately, Jesus said to rejoice that your name is written in the book of life in eternity. His provision is that peace and that eternal life. Let's pray. Pastor, if you could come and play. Father, I thank you so much for your sweet, sweet spirit. Lord, I thank you that when we seek you, we will find you. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you search our hearts right now. Search us and try us and show us if there is any way inside of our hearts right now today that is crooked, that's not in alignment with your ways, Jesus. You challenged your disciples to go and make disciples, to teach, to obey your ways. And you've given us this holy Bible, this, this canon of scripture by which to live, and we thank you for that. And we thank you that because you laid down your life, the Holy Spirit can quicken that word in our heart and in our mind. And we ask you now, Jesus, search us and try us. Lord, for those that know you, I thank you so much that we have eternity to look forward to. Those family members that have accepted you and have left this side of, of the world, Lord Jesus, to enter into your eternal kingdom through death's door. We thank you that one day we will see them again. And Jesus, for those that have not made a decision, we know that the choice is ours to make whether or not we will believe you are the Son of God and the Son of Man. Jesus, we ask you to convince us by your Holy Spirit If you need to ask Jesus to be your personal God, your Savior, leave a chat if you're online. Leave a message for Pastor Brenda to contact you, to pray with you. This church is here to support you in that walk with the Lord Jesus. And if you're here in the building, we want to pray with you. If you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, to accept him as the way, the truth, and the life. If you just signify that you want to make that prayer, you want to take that step, you choose to follow Jesus, just raise your hand and we'll pray with you. We won't call you out, not yet. Jesus, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that as your Holy Spirit convinces us of those things that are in our heart and in our life that maybe are preventing us from walking in a right relationship with you. Give us the boldness and the confidence to humbly lay them down, Jesus. We ask you to accomplish your will today. For those that are questioning, Lord, whether or not to even follow you, whether or not to acknowledge that you are the one true God, Holy Spirit, we ask you to convince them now speak to hearts and minds afresh and anew today so that the kingdom of God will go forward, that we will be a people 
walking right with the Creator, filled with your presence, with your peace, with your spirit, that those good deeds and those gifts that you planted in us, Jesus, would be drawn out according to your plan and purpose for this generation. Give us the confidence to take your message, to take your presence into the classrooms and schools, into the office this week, wherever we head, Lord Jesus. We give you permission to draw out of us your word. We give you permission to speak to us and through us by the power of your Holy Spirit and the authority in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Pastor Tiffany. Thank you. And I just want to reiterate the point that you made that seems so vital is this reality. It's not just enough to be filled, but that we must then be drawn out. We must be willing for something to be pulled out of us and to give that unto the people around us. And so that I ask you to meditate on that this week and just see how the Lord would use that in you. And, um, so I want to say uh, for those that are online, um, we'll send an email with additional links to Pastor Debbie's website and everything. For those that are here, I know she's got some cards and really wants you to um, take that as a prayer partner. And if you are feeling uh, drawn in your heart to maybe do more than just prayer support, but to be a, a financial supporter for her, then I want you to consider that in your giving. And it, it, if you're not prepared today, but in an ongoing way, I want us to think about that. So um, I thank you so much for sharing with us. And I want to send us out with a blessing and trust God to make this seed, good seed, in your heart this week and for the word to bring forth great fruit. So, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The Lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine on you and through you and be gracious to you the lord turn his face towards you and give you peace amen amen let's go in the name of the lord If you enjoyed today's message, why not share it with a friend? I invite you to subscribe at Apple Podcast and our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear your feedback and comments. So glad that you were with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. At Vienna Assembly of God, we love God, others, and life. And we're leading our community in a growing relationship with God.